we'll hit 16. Um, but because we are studying the Gospel of Luke and because uh, it's Palm Sunday and because the triumphal entry is in the Gospel of Luke, we thought, you know what, let's study it out of the Gospel of Luke. And so, uh, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, this week will be in, in Luke 19, and of course next week uh, will also be uh, in this part of Luke as we talk about um, the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Um, I, I want to say this to you. Usually I say, grab your, grab your bulletin, and in there you'll find sermon notes. I want to apologize. I got sick Wednesday, and so we're doing really good to actually get a sermon uh, this week. So sermon notes just didn't happen. I did get some slides for you last night about 1130. So, uh, so we, have, we have some stuff, but um, anyway, we, we've, got, we've got a little something, but um, we're, we're, we are going to be in the, in the Gospel of Luke. And here, here's what I want you to think about. So all around the world today, um, a lot of churches actually began the service outside the doors. Uh, I, I don't, you guys may not be familiar, but all around the world today, a lot of people actually started church outside the doors, and then they came in in a processional uh, with people waving palm branches and even laying them down. And, and it was kind of their way to celebrate uh, this thing that we call Palm Sunday. Uh, but as I was studying the text and I was thinking through it, I, I've been a Christian now for 20 years. I, I, I wasn't raised in church. Share that with you guys. I, I became a Christian when I was 20, so that means I'm 40 now. Old, okay? Um, and uh, uh, by the way, they sing really pretty. They, they were like that last song, Cornerstone. Y'all were rocking my world. It was awesome. Uh, Jesus just used that to bless me. But um, so, so 20 years, and, and I've, I've been through this. Like, I've, I've done 20 Palm Sundays now, right? And, and yet, as I was studying the text, I just kept asking this one question to myself. Okay, but what does it mean to me? Like, what, what is the purpose of Palm Sunday? I, I mean, because you think of it, we always kind of tout it as triumph, but it's not triumph, it's tragedy. Jesus is weeping over all the Jews that miss it. So what's, what's, what's the point, right? I mean, the people that are shouting, uh, you know, Hosanna, blessed be the, the name of the Lord. These, these people, uh, you know, that are shouting about the king in a week are going to be shouting crucify him. Like, like what, what's the point of Palm Sunday? Why do we celebrate it? Is it just the marker that it's the Sunday before Easter? It's got to be more than that. It's got to mean more than that. And so, so I, I want to do something a little different. We're going to just read through Luke. And I want to tell you what I, what I think Palm Sunday should mean to us um, what, what I think God says, hey, this is, this is what it's about. Remember these things. And, and I pray um, it's a little different uh, maybe than, than what you've thought about over the last 20 plus years of your Palm Sundays. And so uh, let's pray first. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and take his place as our teacher and our guide. Um, Father, um, we, uh, we love you and we want to hear from you. Uh, Lord, no man-made opinion or thought um, can change us. We're too stubborn. But Holy Spirit, your work in our hearts, ooh, ooh, it's what we need. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and be our teacher and our guide. That is your role. We want to invite you and to come and take your place and exalt the name of Jesus, that he might be lifted up and draw all men to himself. Write his words on our heart now, Holy Spirit, that we might have a desire um, to live according to them. We ask these things, we pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm in Luke 19, starting verse 28. Remember, here's our question. What does Palm Sunday mean for us? It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany uh, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. 
untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and they found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? That's probably the polite version of what they said. They replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on the colt and they put Jesus on it. And uh, he went along, uh, as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down from the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, and they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. I'll tell you why we went that far in the story. Some people would say the temple cleansing happens on Monday. Uh, but here Luke clearly ties the two together, and we're in Luke. We're not in Matthew, we're not in Mark, and so we're going to preach them together. He, he, he says then, so we're going to assume uh, this is a continuation. I just have four things. Again, the question is, what does Palm Sunday mean for me? What, what, what does it mean for you? What should Palm Sunday mean to us? And I, I think... I think there's four things the text really talks about, and we'll try to cover them very quickly. The first, I, I think, guys, Palm Sunday shows us that God is resolved to be reconciled with us. God is resolved to be reconciled to us. See, this entire passage, this entire event shows us that God is determined. That's what resolved means, right? God is determined to, to make uh, peace, to, to be reconciled with, with us. And, and we, we saw this all the way back. You remember we started in the Gospel of Luke a long, long time ago. Luke chapter 9, um, verse 51, something remarkable happened. Up till that point in Luke, Jesus had been doing great ministry. He'd been healing uh, the blind and, and, and making the lame walk and, and bringing the dead back from life. Uh, he was doing miracles everywhere that he went. And the crowds were amazed, the text says. But in Luke nine fifty one, something happened. Jesus had a paradigm shift in his ministry. And it said from that point, Luke 9, 51, that he set his face towards Jerusalem. The King James actually says it better, that he resolutely set his face to Jerusalem. He set his face to the cross. From that moment on in Luke 9, 51, Jesus has been determined to get to this point. He's determined to get to this point because this place in Jerusalem is where he will be arrested. This place in Jerusalem is where he will be put on mock trial. This place in Jerusalem this week is where he's going to be beaten beyond human likeness. This place in Jerusalem is where he's going to be forced to carry his own cross. This place in Jerusalem this week is, is the time that he is going to have his hands and his feet nailed to a cruel cross and he's going to be raised up. It's this place in Jerusalem that he will suffer 
suffocate and die. But before he does, he will say, Father, please forgive them for they know not what they do. It is this place in the Jerusalem that the very will of God is going to happen. And I want you to see that God is determined for it to happen. And I want you to see why. It's in our text. Look at verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. By the way, look at who's declaring this. It's the people. They don't even know the truth that they speak. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, they they cry out, and then they declare this, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And that's it. Jesus says it again as, as, as he speaks about Jerusalem, he weeps over it. He says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. You see, this day, this event, this determination from Luke 9.51 until today, this determination is the heart of God because He has a mission. And the very mission of Jesus is this, that He has set His face resolutely on the cross for your sake because you're an enemy of God. Because we're all enemies of God. And so He has come not to bring peace on earth, remember? We've covered that. He said, I didn't come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. I've come to cause division. But I tell you, I'm here to bring peace in heaven between God and between man. I love what Paul says in Colossians 1, uh, 21. He says, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And somebody says, well, well, what is that? I don't understand that. Well, here, it's pretty simple. There can only be one Lord of Lords. There can only be one person that is in charge. There can only be one person that declares what is right and what is wrong. Amen? Amen. And here's our problem, friends. We don't like that. See, the problem with most people is not that they lack the faith to believe in Jesus because it takes more faith to not believe in Jesus than it does to believe in him. The problem is not a faith problem with our our people in the world today. The problem is a control problem because people understand rightly that if Jesus is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and he has all authority to say what is right and what is wrong and only he has that authority... That means when you have declared your entire life and done what you thought was right in your own eyes, that you were wrong. And not only were you wrong, but you were sitting in a seat that didn't belong to you. That you were sitting on a throne that was not yours. And if you're sitting on a throne that is not yours and it is a rightful throne that belongs to someone else, then you can only be an enemy of the one who rightfully belongs on that throne. And so the Bible says that at one point we were all enemies of God. And, and, and I need you to understand that's the heart of sin, right? But, but get this. But now he has reconciled you. He is taking you from enemy to friend. From enemy to, to son. From enemy to daughter. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Has the enemy accused you of anything this week? Spoken to you about your lack of faith, your lack of love? Has he called you heartless, hopeless? Free from accusation, friends. There's power there. Jesus has come to reconcile us, to make peace with us and God. And you want to know what Palm Sunday is about? Friends, for me, Palm Sunday is the culmination of Luke 9.51. Jesus has resolutely set himself for this day, for this week. It shows me that God is determined, God is resolved to make me right with him. Amen. Two 
I want you to see this morning, I believe Palm Sunday shows us that God is serious about inviting us into his story. God is serious about inviting us into his story. Uh, Look at verse 30. Jesus says, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you're going to find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, tell him the Lord needs it. Strangest phrase in all the Bible, I think. I mean, it's really difficult. What, the Lord needs it? The Lord of heaven and earth? The Lord, all authority is him. The Lord, I mean, according to John, all things were made through him and by him. Uh, Paul says all things were held together in him. Um, and, and the Lord needs my donkey. Really? I mean, just put yourself there in that context. The Lord who's made everything that we see and everything that we don't see, and he holds it all together, needs my donkey. And the point is, yes, that is absolutely true. And why does he need my donkey? He needs my donkey to fulfill his purpose. You see, God has a plan that, that, that had been laid out over 500 years before it had been declared to the people. Zechariah 9.9 says this, right? Uh, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, this was one of the signs that the Messiah had come. This was the very purpose of God, right? And so Jesus, who's come to, is now revealing himself. Yep, that's me. I'm the guy. I'm the one you thought I was. I'm coming. I'm riding on a donkey. Now, here's the interesting thing to me. God could have just like declared that. But instead, God uses some, some, some farmers somewhere. And, 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 and Jesus says to the disciples, listen, I want you to go to their house. Can you imagine this being your home? And, and, and you walk outside and they're untying your colt. You go, wait, wait, what are you doing? The Lord needs it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's not just their donkey he wants, friends. It's yours. One of the greatest mysteries of the gospel that I still I, I fathom to understand is that a God that is all-knowing and all-powerful has chosen to invite us to be a part of his story and to use our donkeys for his glory. That is one of the very hearts of what we should get out of Palm Sunday. The Lord needs your donkey. I wonder, are you willing to let it go? Are you ready to untie it and set it free? For his sake, for his purpose. Do you even believe that he'd be willing to use yours? Hmm. Just let that sink in. Three, don't you see this morning? Just according to our text, I know we're flying. Just want you to see this. God is bent on protecting his bride. God is bent on protecting his bride. You'll notice the the word selection here. Resolved and serious and bent are all... uh, are all words that we would use to describe determined. God is determined, right? And, and, and God is bent on protecting his bride. And again, we're reading as the text lays it out. So I'm in 45 through 48. And, and Jesus walks into the temple and he says, um, my, my house will be a house of, of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And he, he drives out all the money changers. And, and listen, friends, people say, well, what does that have to do with me today? And I, I, I just think, I think the heart of it is this, is, is that uh, Jesus, Jesus cares about the church. See, Easter Sunday, we've all personalized it. Oh, Jesus died on the cross for me. Oh, it's just for me. Read Ephesians 5, friends. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. 
Jesus does love you individually, but he loves you individually because he knows that collectively you make up a beautiful thing called his church. And we live in a day and an age where it's become kind of popular to bash this bride of Christ, right? To talk bad about all the things and all the ways that she has let you down. Not understanding that if she has let you down, it may have something to do with you since it's just a, a body of believers. And hear me, I understand. I get it. I get it that you could be hurt by the church. I get it that people in the church may have hurt you. I get it that, that, that there could be problems and difficulties, but we're all broken people. But along the way, at some point, we have to understand, like, if you talk bad about my wife, I'm angry. Right? Because you can talk bad about me all that you would like, but if you say a word about my wife, you might have to put me in jail. I, and I, I love you. I'm just being honest. Listen, Jesus laid down his life for the church, my friends. And it is time, it is past due that we act like it matters. We need a new generation of people. They don't want to just point out the flaws, but they actually want to fix the flaws in the church. That are not committed to just writing another blog post about why people don't go, but they're out there getting their feet blistered because they're walking door to door inviting people to come. That's what we need. That's what we need. Listen, God is bent on protecting his bride. That is one of the great truths of why this happens in this account. Lastly, I would just share this with you. God mourns when we miss it. God mourns when we, we miss him. Jesus, as he approaches Jerusalem, sees the city, and it says he wept over it. The, 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 the word in Greek, it means to mourn. He mourned over the city. And why did he mourn over the city? It tells us, it tells us, he says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. They have missed the moment. They have missed it, and it breaks his heart. Jesus is mourning over the city. Listen, lostness breaks the very heart of God. This is why Jesus came, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save those that are lost. We talked about it all last week. What, what is all of chapter 15 about, friends? Lostness, right? And God's intent to find. It's the very heart of God, that God is a God that seeks after the things that are lost, and He brings them back at His own expense. This is the story of God. This is the heart of the gospel. Listen to what the psalmist declares, Psalm 126, 5. He says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. And I just have one question, church. Where are our tears? When is the last time that we honestly and truthfully wept over somebody in prayer? When? Because we don't. We, we don't even invite people to church, much less cry over their lostness. Much less hurt or even stop to think. We, we, in fact, I think we protect ourselves and insulate ourselves from feeling their lostness. We avoid passages in the Bible that talk about hell and weeping and gnashing of teeth because they make us uncomfortable with our lackadaisical Christianity. And at some point, we have to pray that God would break our hearts again. You remember that song we used to sing? Break our hearts, oh God. Break our hearts. If God were going to break our hearts over one thing, one thing only, I pray it would be lost people. Lost people. I told you last week that means it's, it's difficult. Can I just tell you that trying to live out the gospel is hard? 
Can I just tell you that there are no pretty bows that you can tie on the package of lostness? It's not easy, but it's necessary. Listen, um, greatest opportunity in the history of mankind happens once a year for churchgoers that are not comfortable inviting people to church, okay? Because for some reason, there are a group of people that live in this nation that you live in that will choose to come to church next Sunday and Christmas. And so what lies before you is the easiest invite of your life. The, the odds of somebody saying yes are up in the 90 percentiles, okay? So, so if your fear of rejection is so great, I just want to calm those fears and say, if there were a week to be brokenhearted over your lost neighbor, it might be this week that this might be the week with the highest probability that you could take over some chocolate chip cookies and say, you want to join me on Sunday? This might be the week. This might be the week. God mourns when we miss him. So what do we do? Um, listen, I, I don't know what you're going to do. I, I, just, I don't know what you should do. I'm going I'm to tell you what I feel like the Lord's telling me to do. And if it works for you, God bless you, okay? First and foremost, I think the challenge is that we make peace with God. Right, that, that, that's the heart of, of Palm Sunday. It shows us that, that God is, is, is determined to reconcile us to himself. He's determined. Listen, we, we, we say this back in Luke 14. Remember, Jesus telling a parable. He says, listen, a man doesn't build a tower without first determining the cost. And he says, listen, if, 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 there's, a, if there's a king, and he is, if there's a guy, he's got 10,000 men, and, and another king is coming against him with 20,000 men, will he not see a long way off and go out and make terms of peace? Listen, Jesus is coming back, and, and the terms of peace have been set. You just have to accept them. You just have to accept them. And if you don't have peace with God, let today be the day. You say, I don't even know how to do that. It's pretty simple. You pray a prayer. Say, God, I'm not at peace with you. I'm still your enemy. I've been sitting in your seat and I'm sorry. I'm stepping down. You take control of my life. That's it. That's it. Make peace too. I want to challenge you to let God use you. Let God use you. Listen, here's the phrase I want to, to, to mess with you all week long. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. What do you tell him? But my donkey's tied up, Lord. The Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. I have a PG-13 version of this point. You can ask me after church and I'll tell you. But I'm just, listen, the Lord needs your donkey to fulfill his purpose. The Lord has invited you into his story. The question is, will you untie your donkey? Do you even believe that he, you have one? Do you even believe that he can use you? Like, this is God's intent for some crazy reason to use humanity to, to boast of his glory. And we get to be a part of that. Now we have to. Can we drop that, church? My Christian duty, I've got to go marching on. You get to be in the most amazing story that was ever told, right? I mean, when Transformers came to town, we had people lined. I want to be an extra. I want to be in the crowd. I, I want the car to fly by my head. And look, you saw the back of my head. We had the football movie out here. And we had people line up and stand in the stands. They didn't care if they were getting paid. It was cold at night. They just wanted to say, I was in a movie someday. Friends, I'm telling you, there's a much greater story that we get to be a part of. So what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we so stingy? Can, you, have you thought of the question of all questions? Who gave the farmer the donkey to start with? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. And yet, Jesus, gracious, gracious, 
Tell them the Lord needs their donkey. He could have just said, give me my donkey back. Tell them the Lord needs it. God is inviting you into his story, whether or not you step into it and you experience the most amazing tale that has ever been told is up to you. It's up to you. Let God use you. Three, build up the church. Build up the church. No more bashing the bride. No more complaining. Let's get to fixing. Let's get to mending. Let's get to helping. Amen. I asked some people last week to give themselves to the church. We had seven people join this church. So they want to be a part of building something here. I wonder if maybe that's you today. We need help. We got holes. And, and some of those are going to be filled by new people. Some of them need to be filled by you guys. I love you. I know you're tired. Me too, man. Like, I get it. I get it. There's nothing more important in my life than the bride of Christ. There's not. It's my love for God and, 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 and my zeal for his church, for the bride. You play an important role in that. You really do. Lastly, uh, I'd, I'd ask you to ask God to break your heart for the loss. That's my prayer this week. Break our hearts, so oh God, break our hearts. Listen, we're selfish. Can we just be honest? We're scared of rejection. Man, I, man I, fear of rejection killed me, like through middle school, high school, Amen. Right? Where, where are my other guys out there? Now, who was the guy you never had any fear of rejection? You asked that girl out, no problem. Was that you? Come on, you raise your hand if you were macho man. How, how many of you, like, that first time you tried to ask a girl out, you almost threw up? Amen? Right? Mm-hmm. Amen? Yep. Yep. You know, when you wrote the letter, letters, check yes or no, I think the first one of those I wrote, I forgot to put my name on it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. We are afraid of rejection, but I need you to hear me. There's something more important at stake. It's God's rejection of those that have not made peace with him. That's it. We should be broken hearted over the loss. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. It is good and it endures forever. Smooth in our midst, Lord Jesus. We ask these things. We pray these things. We believe you'll do these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, listen, simple prayer for you guys this morning. Uh, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads for one moment. And uh, we're going to use our, our uh, I say imagination. It's not really imagination, though, because I'm going to ask you to think about things that you have. Okay? So uh, here, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to take us in one place this morning. Uh, and specifically, here's what I want you to think about. Okay? God wants to invite you into his story. God, let me say it again. God wants to invite you into his story. God wants to use your donkey. I want you to identify the donkey. What does he want to use? Is it your skills? Maybe. Is it your time? Maybe. Is it your energy, your effort? Is it your love? Maybe. Maybe God wants to use your marriage. Can you imagine that? That God might want to use your marriage to help other marriages. Maybe that's what he wants. Maybe he wants to use your home. He wants to do something in your home. Can you imagine that? God wants my home. Maybe it's finances. I, I, I don't know. But here's what I know. I know at some point you need to hear the truth. The Lord needs it. It's his. He could say, give me my stuff. But he in his sovereignty 
chooses to invite us into his story. The Lord needs it. So today, just close your eyes for one moment, and I want you to take inventory. Lord, what are my donkeys? God, what do I have? What do I possess that you could use? Think, just think. Now, as you think, I want you to think about this too. These things you're identifying in me, Lord, how tightly do I have them tied down? How tightly do I have them tied down? How firm is my grasp on my donkey? Now look up here. We're going to pray a simple prayer. I say simple and then it's not complex, but it's difficult. We're going to pray together. I'm preparing you. Ready? Lord, all I have is yours. All I have is yours. I let go. Use me for your glory. That is our prayer this morning. It's that simple. We're going to pray it together. We're going to pray it together. God wants to use your donkey for his purpose. So let's let go. Let's tell him yes. Amen? Pray with me. Father, all we have is yours. Everything. We let go this morning. You can have it all. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.